What is going on, everybody? That is right. We are back for the Sports Card Show podcast. Got some, um, actually, some interesting things to talk about, I think, on today's show. Um, just some quick topics. Probably not going to be a super, super long show. Depends on how far in depth we get with things. But on today's show, we're going to talk about Upper Deck uh, launched this EPAC thing. And uh, this, to me, looks uh, pretty cool. And a lot of it has to do with check on my cards and kind of their ability to, you know, kind of not only kind of be the support and kind of back end of this something, but also streamline something like this, make it far more feasible to allow a company like Upper Deck to essentially run a test of an EPAC uh, to bring kind of an innovation to the market uh, in, in large part is likely due um, primarily because check on my cards exist. So very interesting. Talk about that. In fact, on back in show number 142, if you want to um, delve back in the archives and you're not really sure what shows to listen to, show number 142, this is back into December of 2013, I took a vacation to the Washington area to actually visit for no other reason to, other than to uh, of a listener of the show, loyal listener of the show, uh, invited me to Monday Night Football game. So I'd never really uh, venture. I'd been up to that area of the country, but not by myself to kind of hang out and have fun. So ended up going to check out my cards and kind of hearing the stra- this strategy, this EPAC strategy and kind of partnering with, with cards, uh, manufacturers several years ago this was um something that i actively discussed uh, with uh tim from check on my card so it's kind of fun to actually see it come to uh fruition today or see kind of an idea not you know maybe not the exact idea that was in our heads or in in what we discussed but kind of a form of that and so it's exciting um Let's see. Signature football came out for Panini. So we go from something that's exciting to something that is a a tragedy. Hopefully you guys aren't out there buying any of the signature football. Certainly on the secondary market, I would wait because I think just the price of these boxes, everything is going to go down in price, Uh, especially with football. I would I would ignore. You know, I'm personally. I've told a lot of people I've quit football, and I don't really want to go on this podcast. I'll probably have times later on this year, certainly as we roll around into next football season, where I'll relive my, I don't, I don't even know what to call it at this point. I, um, I haven't come up with a term. I am not even sure how I feel about how the Bengals lost their playoff game, but um I just thank God I was on vacation. Uh, it was the first day of like a two-week vacation for me. And I think every time the Bengals go to the playoffs from now on, I think I'm just going to go on vacation and not, and not watch the games. But anyways, signature football, I'm not even sure how I got on the topic of that. It's been on my mind, obviously. But anyway, signature football came out. It looks bad. Football season's pretty much over. I don't think anybody's going to be caring about football. we got baseball coming up. Looks like Mike Trout's going to be the number one card of tops. And it's like a, like an ass shot. It's like him jumping over the wall, obviously making a great catch. He's a great player. But it's like a, like all I saw was like Mike Trout's ass. 
being kind of the you can't even like see his face. So I don't know how great of a photo it was. I think I would have rather seen Mike Trout's a good looking guy. I'm not embarrassed to say that. I think uh, having his face front and center would probably be better than his ass. But I guess that depends on who you ask. And I might not be the best one. Um, so signature football from Panini came out. I don't think we need to talk about that, but the overarching thing is Panini's got 95 products coming out and that's not including NCAA coming out over the course of this year. It's going to be a really man, 95 products. This is according to someone that works at upper deck. Um, and I believe that I believe, you know, probably plus or minus maybe 10% of that amount, but it's still a staggering amount. It's like, it's, it's like two sets a week, basically coming out. And that's just from Panini. It's not like Leafs not going to come out with sets. Not like upper decks, not going to come out with sets. It's not like tops is not going to come out with sets. So Man, it certainly puts a, a massive. There's going to be just a massive strain on group breakers and distributors to really pump this product down. And my guess is they're going to have to incentivize it quite a bit. I mean, they, Panini already does this. They have like the gold packs and the Black Fridays and Father's Days and things like that, and that's fine. I don't. I I don't think. You know, I'd rather them not have to discount their or you know incentivize or discount their product but you know every every brand coach and gucci and all these brands have to discount to a certain degree so i i don't blame them for that but i think just coming out with 95 products over the course of the year some of those products might end up being good i you know but it's it's going to be hard to identify those because there's just going to be so much out coming out on the market even more than i think that's out there at least it'll feel like it probably because it's all kind of coming from one company and it'll all be probably very similar so we'll see um what happens but certainly a rocky somewhat rocky road ahead i believe especially for people that are in it in the kind of um, pushing the new product kind of game. Anybody that's out there pushing brand new product, pushing signatures football, pushing people on to buy this brand new stuff is certainly going to have some problems um, at some point during this year moving product because I just see people are just don't have the money, I, I don't think, to support 95 products even at a discounted price. So people are certainly going to have to get creative. I've already seen um, with Signature Football just came out. And I've already seen buy one, get one kind of discounts. I've seen a lot of um, discounting already. And it just came out. I know that's a, a, a pretty bad product. It's historically been a bad product. And it's likely, well, it's definitely overpriced. Even probably half off. So... We'll see, but man, I certainly wouldn't want to be a a group breaker or a blowout cards, DA card world type of business um, this coming year because even if it's a good year, even if there is a, you know, an Andrew Luck kind of uh, rookie, RG3 type rookie, I just think the just sheer quantity is going to likely outweigh any of that. And you also have a lot more hands in the cookie jar. You have, you know, obviously Panini's hand is in the cookie jar, 
But you have not only, you know, there's retailers out there, but there's quite a few group breakers. And on top of that, most of those people are looking to sell those cards again, not necessarily for a profit, but for um, at least some kind of return on their money, even though even if the return is negative, still looking for a return on their money. So, man, it's going to be tough next year, really is, or the, actually this year in the in the coming months. What's going to be required is to actually innovate and kind of come up with some new ideas. And we, I think we certainly saw this just today with Upper Deck releasing the details of EPACs. And it's a, it's a trademark, it's a term, and it's even a concept that they've had for a long time. I remember EPACs back in the day, I think it was more of a code, and then that code entitled you to the possibility it was kind of like kind of the million card giveaway um in essence that tops ran a few times with it with its baseball products but essentially you got a card maybe of car malone and there was a code on there and it, it could be redeemed for cooler cards essentially you know or, or cooler stuff this concept of EPAC that Upper Deck came up with, I think, is um, one of the more, how should I say this? I just think it's a very well-executed idea, likely um, on the backs, uh, likely you know spearheaded, and, and a lot of it has to do with Check On My Cards. I don't think Check On My Cards or Upper Deck is going to come out and say this, but I will. I know for a fact I talked with Tim from Check On My Cards. And like I said, you can go back two years ago. It's not an interview. I don't believe in um, when I really want to know the inside stuff. Don't put a microphone in front of somebody's face. Just have a conversation with them. And I remember the conversation I had with Tim two years ago very well. We talked a lot about, um, and I could probably go back at the list on the podcast. It would trigger more memories from that day. But we talked a lot about how other people should partner with Check On My Cards. Group breakers certainly should check uh, partner with Check On My Cards. Certainly the card manufacturers, I know one of the, the bigger discussions we had were with redemption cards at the time and still today. It's a lot of work for companies to kind of handle redemptions and kind of handle the process in which they redeem them. And so Check On My Cards has basically handled it or kind of attempted to solve the problem by now you can send in your redemption cards to Check On My Cards and it kind of allows you to sell the card and and um, they handle all the the redemption process once Panini mails it to them. But really, check on my card should handle that whole process once, uh, you know, Doug Martin signs his redemption cards or Odell Beckham signs his redemption cards. Those cards shouldn't be immediately sent to check on my cards and have them handle the whole process after the athlete signs them. And um, I'm sure that will happen as we go forward. Maybe not all the companies at once. Maybe it'll be, quote, smaller companies like Upper Deck or Leaf or something kind of starting out. And then uh, Panini and Tops will follow. We'll see. But the thing I learned when I visited Check On My Cards is that they have a proprietary system. May not be proprietary, but 
it's certainly hard to replicate. If you wanted to replicate what Check of My Cards has and does today, it would take a tremendous amount of capital, tremendous amount of money. Just like if you wanted to copy what Amazon does today or Google or Apple or anybody that's already or Uber, so anybody that has scale and large uh, has invested a lot of time and money in their business. It's hard to copy them, and certainly that's where Check Out My Cards is. And they have far less competitors in this vertical of sports card collecting because there's just not a lot of people making a lot of money, not a lot of reinvestment in this space. So I found it interesting that they were able to find finally one of these card companies w- woke up, and w- my guess is is this happened. I'll probably find out how this whole deal um came to about but my guess it was through discussions um probably just casual conversations that tim had with upper deck and they finally realized that they could really work together and so these epacs exist you can essentially right now go on to i think upper deck epacs or something like that dot com and you can buy upper deck series one hockey and you could open these pack. You can buy a pack, I think, for three ninety nine. A box, I think, is ninety bucks or something, and a case is about a thousand dollars. And you open these packs just as you would a normal pack, except it's all done uh, electronically and kind of uh, instantly. They're right in front of you. And the cool thing is, the reason why I'm talking about check out my cards is the what I believe is the the best feature of this is you can take. Not all the cards, but certain cards are already at Check Out My Cards facility. And so you can request a shipment. Or actually, those cards can be inserted directly into your Check Out My Cards uh, account. And so my brother was opening boxes and packs today and just inserting them right into the Check Out My Cards account. And you can price them and you can request shipment if he wants to. It's quite a... Um, quite an interesting thing you can imagine the exact same thing could happen i talked about this i think just on the last show i said uh one company that could kind of shake up the group breaking business if it wanted to was actually check out my cards because they could provide the break and the ability to request shipment and more importantly sell that card right away have it be priced and ready to sell right on their check on my cards account, maybe within a day or even hours after being broken where I've seen some of these breakers, it takes them a day or two, especially if they're doing, you know, 10, 15, 20 cases in a day, it takes these guys several days to actually end up sorting through all of the cards. Whereas check on my cards has that process already perfected. They have employees that come in and clock in and clock out every day. That that's their job to process cards. So Tim already has the labor, already has the processes down. Like I talked about on show number 142, Check On My Cards has computer algorithms that track the work patterns of its employees. So they know how efficiently employees are working. And obviously, if there's inefficiencies along the way there, or if they see outliers, maybe they hire a new employee and and let's give the uh, you know maybe that employee isn't picking up things up very quickly 
check out my cards can see, well, this employee is incredibly slow. We need to either train this person or put them in a new department or figure out a way to catch this, get this employee up to speed. Maybe that employee is ex- excelling and they're doing it at a, an incredible rate that no other employee ever has ever done before. Well, that's probably an employee you want to try to pay more and try to encourage to, to stay at the company longer. This is, this is something that Check On My Cards has been doing for years, so it, it doesn't surprise me that they're able to somewhat seamlessly partner with Upper Deck and likely handle a lot of the back end. I'm not saying they designed that website and stuff like that, but there was a little bit of chatter on Twitter early that why would Upper Deck partner with Check Out My Cards where it's really the other way around. A lot of you guys that listen to this show, I don't need to convince you of that. But Upper Deck's actually far more lucky to have partnered with with Check On My Cards than the other way around. I know Check On My Cards is going to benefit greatly from this, but this idea of EPACs likely has little to no value if Upper Deck doesn't have the back end packaging, sorting, scanning all the cards. And that's something that Check On My Cards already can do. And can likely offer Upper Deck for far cheaper than it would cost Upper Deck to even hire a, a few dedicated employees. They could hire two dedicated employees for, call it, $35,000 each. And it's still cheaper and more effective to just let check on my cards do it all. At some point down the line, these other card companies, Tops and Panini, will realize the same. Whether or not they decide to direct, Panini will likely directly copy what Upper Deck did. That's Panini's, that tends to be what Panini does. They don't tend to really innovate that much. When they do innovate, it's something like Panini Points. But Panini's patch database that they promised long ago or they talked about long ago could have already been done and dealt with if they had just partnered with Check On My Cards. They could have partnered with Check On My Cards two, three years ago when they announced it, and it, it, it'd be a, a reality, period. So you might see Panini do that. You might see what I thought was interesting was Upper Deck allows, what ends up happening is Upper Deck's, this is a great, great deal for Check Out My Cards. I don't know how, if there's other other details to their relationship with Upper Deck, but think about it. If you pull a Connor McDavid, a young gun that's probably worth, I don't know, 200 bucks or 150 bucks, you're going to transfer that card to Check On My Cards. Maybe it sells on Check On My Cards. Well, you know, you're going to either buy more cards on Check On My Cards or you're going to withdraw that money. And Tim has a 20% cash out fee on Check On My Cards. So he's automatically going to get 20% of all this stuff off the top. And so certainly that's how he can offer his services to Upper Deck and Tops and Panini for an incredibly low price. Because he's getting a lot of this money on the back end, especially when you're transferring him cards, especially when the the cards end up flowing through his site. What I thought Upper Deck could have done was actually tied it all in to their own website. And it's referred to as kind of like a white label in the website world. Like basically have 
check out my cards running everything on the back end. They end up shipping it all out and all that. But it all flows through something that Upper Deck can control. And then therefore, maybe that 20% cash out fee, maybe a little bit more of it goes to Upper Deck. But, you know, those are the little details that maybe a Tops will think of, maybe a Panini will think of, or maybe uh, Upper Deck and, and, and check out my card. Maybe those guys will still be slow to the punch. And Upper Deck and check out my cards can develop more um, interesting features and um, ways to the platform. Because certainly um, it looked like trading was coming. Obviously, mobile apps to the uh, the app, the actual app stores and native application are coming. Um, I have a, a deep appreciation for computer programming. There were people that were saying, hey, where are the apps? Where, you know, I have a deep appreciation uh you know, proper computer programming, especially in a startup environment or on a lower budget, is doing exactly what Upper Deck does. You release a website, you do all the testing on on, on a website since it's a little easier to control and a little more streamlined. You let your developers kind of iron it all out and then you port what you have. You can pretty much port almost any website or any web application to an app, but you need that all properly done and then finally you need to do the payment processing payment processing through an app obviously you have tie-ins that you can do with apple pay and samsung pay if you want to go that deep but certainly any kind of payment processing on the web is a whole lot different than payment processing on the phone so certainly there's probably some a little bit extra steps there but upper deck's likely going to want to test all this out in a web environment with like series one and maybe series two and then maybe if it my guess is they were just throwing this out there and if it if it went well they really had nothing to lose upper deck had nothing to lose if this went well great people accept it and they'll roll you know they'll continue to tie it in to future products and maybe reinvest a little more money to it if nothing you know it's kind of like panini panini has a couple apps that i don't i bet almost nobody uses or even aware of but it doesn't necessarily hurt them to try. It's just like, you know, Apple and Samsung and, and, and Google and all these companies have different websites and Facebook have different websites and products that people don't use and maybe they invest a lot of money in. But not that Upper Deck and, and these companies are really in that position to do a lot of reinvestment, but it's nice to see. And the fact that Check Out My Cards has the scanning, sorting, processing, shipping and selling platform all kind of tied into one, that's about 80 to 90% of the work. Really, all Tops and Panini and Upper Deck have to focus on is a product, a user interface, and marketing. And that's likely what the employees there are probably good for. They're probably, you know, the kind of employees that are upper at Upper Deck tops and panini these are more laborers these are more people that get hired to do a job they're more uh you know task people they're not necessarily innovators or people that have come up with great ideas so letting them focus on the product letting them focus on marketing is probably a good thing and the fact that check on my cards is out there um certainly allows them to do that so we'll see i i'm i'm curious to see who's next to copy this idea or come up with something that's very similar because i think it's a good idea like i said my brother has blown through I've seen him blow through several hundred dollars today on cards that he certainly wouldn't have bought um, already. So I'm sure there's more. I saw other people post on forums saying, hey, I was done with Series 1. I had already 
I had no plans at buying any more Series 1, and I bought a box today. So it certainly encouraged people to at least put their toe in the water, and we'll see what happens. I can imagine, imagine when, you know, SP Authentic Hockey comes out or some other set, the next set, Series 2, or the next set of hockey comes out. I can imagine if the digital version is launched uh, coinciding when the real version comes out, you have a huge advantage if you're on there first with your card. So there will probably be a lot of people busting cards on on the digital uh, package to try to you know hit the McDavid insert that's in there or the Series 2 Young Guns to be first on check out my cards with them So because you often get a lot of money for your cards uh, right in the beginning. So we'll see. We'll see how this evolves. But I, I actually thought the EPAC tie-in for me – was really, really cool to see finally a company has realized that Check Out My Cards is probably going to become one of the biggest companies in the sports card business. They are already there. Trust me. I think there are people out there that thought, what was Upper Deck? Uh, you know, partnering with this tiny company where it's really the other way around. I don't know the the financials of these companies, but I've been to check out my cards office, and that was two years ago. And they said that they were they might have even bought additional space. He said he was growing out of it then, and they just moved in. And I've seen the cars that the owners of that company drive, and I've seen all the cars in the parking lot. They're doing extreme. This was a couple years ago. They were doing extremely well, growing the company with all company money. I mean, the company was growing and spinning off positive net income, so so the owners could pay themselves and enrich themselves and enrich employees and reinvest in the business. That is a. I asked Tim in 2013 if somebody wanted to invest. I asked him if he wanted an investment. And he said yes. And trust me, folks, if I was a multi, if I was Kevin O'Leary or if I had that kind of money, if I was a multimillionaire, I would have said, how much do you want? And for how much of the company? I was ready to invest. Very impressive organization uh, that check on my cards house. They are going to force you to use them. If you're not using check on my cards right now, I absolutely 100 guarantee you unless you just collect vintage cards or you just collect very um you know, maybe you have a very narrow range of your collection, maybe you won't have to deal with them, but a lot of you guys that haven't been on check on my cards, it's kind of like Twitter right now. If you want a certain username on there, you probably should go get it. Because it's going to be a site that almost everybody will have to at least use in the card community. And think about think about that. If check if if there is a site that's collecting even just twenty five cents a dollar here and there from everybody in the card community, imagine how much money that is. And uh, that's why they're doing so well over there. And so I'm happy to see Check On My Cards get this partnership. I think it'll clue, you know, there's certainly people at Panini and Tops that probably woke up today and were like, wow, this, we certainly could have done this ourselves and probably done it even better. And it's, it was sitting under our nose and I've been saying it on this show. Certainly if you're a group breaker out there, 
this should alarm bells should be going off in your head if you're a group breaker card shops you guys were already it's already a struggle retail owning brick and mortar retail is a, a hard business as it is the e-packs are not gonna threaten your business any more than it already was but group breakers this this takes you guys out i don't see what the need is for a group breaker now unless you're like you have cheerleader you know playboy victoria's secret type looks maybe that's gonna get me to want to buy maybe probably not i'm married i don't think my wife would you know if there was like a blonde there busting packs probably not not ideal but i don't know what the breaker has to offer anymore so it might be the kind of an rip kind of year you know tops rip no more football they're doing fine i don't think they're 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 gonna be they're not gonna blink an eye from that really And breakers, a lot of you guys are going to go broke from Panini. Panini's going to throw all this stuff down their throat, and they're going to be like, hey, guys, if you want Immaculate, if you want National Treasures, if you want Flawless, you got to be buying cases of this stuff all year. You know, you guys know that's how it's going to be. And you guys could be buying cases all year, and then Immaculate comes out, and, and it's like you get two at full price, and you're not going to be able to make any money on it. So that that's how it's going to be. So it's going to wear breakers down. And on top of that, you got e-packs coming out. To where now I don't even need the breaker. Now, I mean, what are you guys going to be doing? Selling spots into the break that you break on epack.com or whatever? I don't I don't think so. Not only that, e-packs and check out my cards specifically give you the opportunity to open these packs, have that immediate gratification just like breaks do. But then I get the second, most people are in breaks to resell these cards. Let, let's face it. And I don't think that's a that's not a good thing or nor a bad thing. That's just where the market is. Most people are into breaks and into busting packs in, in large quantity on a daily basis to resell and check out my cards and epex allow you to have that kind of immediate gratification of being able to at least price it and resell if you want to blow it out yeah i'm sure it'll it'll sell so we'll see if i was a breaker i'd 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 call up tim from check out my cards tomorrow i i you know I've talked with this guy several times. My brother's talked with him several times. If I ever have a question, I, I you know, I can send it. I don't really normally have a lot of questions to ask. But if I ever did, you can send him an email. I know a few years ago, Tim set up something called the Check Out My Cards mailbox. And he actually has a blog post. If you want to dig through his archives, he has his plan. He set up something for group breakers a while ago. I don't think any of you guys used it because none of you guys were there yet in your business. You probably still aren't there in terms of volume and money and kind of ideal, you know, looking three, four years down the road. But it's coming. 
the days of sitting in your in your room opening packs and and then pack and then getting paid to basically open packs is is going is going going gone as quick as it came it's going to go nobody's going to pay a premium for some guy to open packs on a webcam on his schedule oftentimes on the breaker's schedule whether they're backed up breaking other breaks or the break hasn't filled or for whatever reason the break is going to be on his schedule Whereas with ePacks, I can just fire up my laptop, my my iPad Pro or whatever, and fire off some packs if I want to. Will it kill anybody? Am I probably over-exaggerating? Probably. But is it going to cut into people's profit? Absolutely. Blowout cards should be looking at this too and not being very excited. Not sure what you need blowout cards for in a little while. So that's certainly some things that um, definitely everybody's going to want to think about if you're in this business to make money. I know there's a lot of people that are. I don't think group breaking is going to be a good business model. Never thought it was a good business model. The only way it turns into a good model is if you really do have a big customer base and you really do provide something over and above what you can get on an EPAC through a blowout cards or through a smaller group of friends or, or just by myself on my own. I could just run my own group breaks. And I just think that the amount of people out there probably not going to be a lot. So we got EPACs biting into our time. I know Daily Fantasy. I'm not in here firing off on EPACs because I got several hundreds of dollars sitting on Daily Fantasy sites that I'm gambling every day. It appears, knock on wood, that uh, in my state, at least right now, I don't want to jinx it, but right now in my state, it looks like Daily Fantasy might be here to stay. And as long as California allows it, there'll be games because the state's big enough to, you could have a California-only DFS site and it would be, you know, one of the biggest ones. It would be right up there um, with DraftKings and FanDuel, especially if all these other states outlaw it. So we'll see what happens. And then uh, more than likely, you're going to have legalized sports betting um, at least start, you know, right now it's only legal in Nevada. My guess is New Jersey will somehow figure out a way to make it legal there. And then it'll, you know, it'll kind of tie into this daily fantasy and likely online poker. It'll all get legalized. That's all going to cut into sports cards and um, certainly group breaking and things like that. So those are all things you want to think about. Certainly I've been, I've been anticipating that myself. I have a gambling daily fantasy website that I've been working on for three years, almost at a break even been working on a daily fantasy. Certainly from a time perspective, I've lost money from a financial perspective. I've made money, but if you add on the hours that I've spent writing content and and building the site up, I've lost money on it um, at an hourly, even just a small $10 an hourly wage. But my hope is daily fantasy becomes solidified legal for sure 
And then on top of that, I could maybe eventually layer in sports betting and other gambling. And then we're talking about real money there. Daily fantasy is, is good money, but a lot more, even more people sports bet and things like that. So that's kind of my bet onto the future. And I think if you're a group breaker, or certainly a shop owner or somebody maybe doing rip and flipping or trying, maybe trying to open a store, thinking you're going to open a store. I think you want to think a little further down the line than that. Say, Hey, where is the hobby heading? We've got these mobile apps from tops. We've got this EPAC idea that I think absolutely is going to be copied in certain fashions. I don't know if it'll be exactly. You might even have people like Tops and, and Panini. Might, might, I think Tops certainly could improve upon it or certainly give it more demand. And it, Panini could give you the volume because you could be busting football and you know NCAA and NBA. You could be busting all kinds of stuff in basketball. So We'll see what happens, but that's where I would look. Maybe there's another niche uh, down the road there that's a better way. I, I, I will have to think about if I had some off the top of my head right now, you know, a few years ago, it was information. You wanted to put up checklists. You wanted to put up information, price guides. Nobody started a price guide. That was stupid. I did. Uh, made a lot of money on my price guide that I started. Um, data, information, I think is still all, that's really all I focus on. Content, data, information is what I like to curate and invest my money and time into because it, you know, the saying is content is king and it just, with all these tablets and devices, people are just consuming more and more content. So I, I kind of feel like as long as I'm investing in that area, I should be okay. Um, with group breaking and things like that, I would definitely be trying to build up a customer base, customer list. But um, I tell you what, I'd be calling Tim from Check On My Cards. Seriously, if you're a group breaker or somebody with some money that you want to invest, I'd leverage his platform and he's willing to do it. You can leverage his images, leverage his database. I might do that at some point. If nobody else wants to do it, maybe I will. I have a few thousand dollars, you know, certainly even a few thousand dollars to throw into a project is a lot of money. You can leverage his data. You can leverage his prices. You can leverage his packaging shipping. You can uh, leverage his ability to sort cards, to scan cards, to ship cards, whatever it is. There's a lot there, and the dude's willing to work with you guys. And I've been saying it on this show. Like, I've been surprised. But in, in, in a lot of ways, I'm not surprised. The industry is very slow moving. The industry is not looking forward very far. They're looking one or two products ahead. One or one paycheck ahead, maybe. Whereas companies that are doing really well, like Tim from Check On My Cards, two years ago was already looking at e-packs and fulfilling redemption cards and doing all the e-fulfillment for top spinning and upper deck. And I think his exact words was, it was only going to be a matter of time before they realized upper deck, top spinning, anybody realized, group breakers realized that working with Check On My Cards is far more cost efficient. It's faster, it's better for the user, costs less money. It allows you 
either the breaker or the manufacturer, to focus on what you do best. If I was a breaker, all I would focus on was be sitting in front of a camera opening packs. That's all I would do. The ordering, the packaging, shipping, the selling of the spots, I would delegate that to somebody else. And the beautiful thing is you can box all your cards up and send them to check out my cards and he has a way to package and sort them all for less than what it probably will cost you to do it on your own. So hands, you know, hand clap, clap, clapped upper deck for finally being one of the first, um, for being the first manufacturer to really recognize that you can partner with Check Out My Cards and they will likely be a far better partner than you will be to them. So I will support the EPACs. I will get on there likely um, every day and, and open my free pack at, le- at the very least. But certainly as new products roll, I'm really interested in the next product. If the next product that comes out, I can open it digitally the same time people are, can open it in card shops and stuff like that. I certainly would be a player there. I'll more than likely buy a box to try to do maybe a quick flip on to check out my card, see if I can't see what kind of really just to see the market demand and kind of um, see just kind of what happens there. See what kind of return on my money for my time and everything. um, And and certainly report it back on this show if if it, you know, warrants any great interest. So that about wraps it up for today's show. Thank you very much for tuning in. I've got some more suggestions. I hear you guys via email, via Twitter and Facebook. I got a couple suggestions. I've got those written down here, but with this EPAC thing and Panini's bomb of signature football, I figured we'd get on there and talk about that. And then um, I think the news cycle will likely uh, slow a bit. But I'll certainly be willing to come back on here. Definitely uh, talk about a little bit of vintage baseball. Been meaning to do that for for months now. Have some thoughts written down here in, in a prior prior show notes. I have some stuff there. We'll talk about uh, some investing. Got a question about uh, some places for investment research and things like that. Certainly, we'll talk about that. I got a video up on YouTube. Made that for a friend of mine, but figured I'd throw it up on YouTube if you want to just, especially if you Schwab. If you you trade with Schwab or if you have a Schwab account or willing to open one up, I show you their trading platform, which actually I think it's the only one I use a lot. So I kind of like it. I'm used to it. I'm sure there's other ones out there that are as good or better, but it's just the one I'm comfortable with. So I kind of show you what's going on there. And that's about it. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Again, I don't take that lightly. I don't do this. To, to get publicity. I don't even publicize these shows anymore. I just put them up. Pretty sure a decent amount of people listen to them. And if not, it's not going to ruin my didn't make or ruin my day. So, um, but the, the few people that are listening, I certainly appreciate it. Certainly if uh, you've gotten to this point in the show, I appreciate it. Hopefully you guys are all doing well out there. I know a lot of you guys play daily fantasy. Hopefully you guys are doing well in that. If you're not, Shame, I will use this podcast for shameless plug. Shameless plug, go to dailyfantasygrind.com. In fact, if you played um, 
fact, if you played uh, daily college fantasy, you probably ended up going to my website. But I'm doing well tonight in basketball. I post my NBA picks every night. And um, I get a lot of my information from some very expensive software. I pay over $600 a year for some software that helps me pick my fantasy teams. So um, if you're not willing to pay that much for information, and honestly, it's worth it. People, uh, I tell people, like I'll tell friends, oh yeah, I play fan. You know, we'll talk about daily fantasy. I'm like, yeah, I pay like sixty dollars a month for like this stat service, basically. And people think I'm crazy, but I'm like, it pays for its. Trust me, it pays for itself in uh, in an, in an instant, in like a night. It can pay for itself in a in one night. It can pay for the whole year. So um, I actually make a lot of money promoting them. So I'm like doubly biased. Uh, but anyways, good luck if you play daily fantasy. Good luck if your teams are in the Super Bowl. Carol, looks like we got Carolina, and this shows you I quit football. I know Carolina's in it, and Denver's in it. So um, good luck. I would probably rooting for. I think the better story is Carolina winning it, even though you know Peyton Manning is just. Whatever that story's been played, that story's been done. We'll see. My guess is all the calls. We'll see what happens in Vegas. It really depends on where the Vegas money is in this game. But really, um, I I can imagine the NFL is going to want Peyton Manning to win. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully, uh, the Carolina. For me, I just think Carolina is the better story. I like Cam Newton. I like guys that celebrate. And there's people that take offense to it. I like it. I like guys. That, you know, if I was making as much money as these guys and getting laid by the the quality of ass these guys get, yeah, I'd be running around jumping up and down too. So, and I think you would be too. And uh, thanks for tuning in, folks. That about wraps it up on today's show. We'll be back some other time, some other place. But until then, we are out of here.